You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is of knives and night blooms. Chapter 22A Beneath and Inside Raven's Gate Raven's Gate was even larger and more imposing than Owl's Gate, with four archways across the breadth of the river and thousands of ravens carved into its black granite outer walls. That was a lot of beaks when they were all pointed directly at you. Dio had sailed under Raven's Gate many a time, but never had any particular reason to enter the largest temple of death in the kingdom. Not until now. It was evening when they first arrived, hours ago. Lanterns lining the gate, candles flickering. It was still dark outside now, but Dio had lost track of how late it was. He and Nimue were being ignored, which was far better than the first few hours here, when they had endured an intense and scrutinising interrogation by a matron who reminded Dio of his aunties. Mavadian's large and spiky black headdress proclaimed her to be something of an authority figure around here. Being ignored was far better than being glared at by that terrifying woman who thought he was some kind of criminal, until Nemoe mentioned they'd been recently travelling with Valeria the Blade, Icaros the Hand, and Mardi the Needle, at which point Death's auntie lost complete interest in Dio and Nemoe, confident that whatever nonsense was going on here with the unconscious Aiden, it was absolutely Icaros's fault. Dio was not going to argue with her. He hadn't seen Aiden since he and Nimue, assisted by a couple of low-ranked knights of the Bright Owl, delivered his limp body to the priestesses. And now they waited in a small chamber with only one window, one narrow bed which neither of them were calm enough to use. They waited and waited. Plenty of time for Dio to agonise over the fact that his mysterious dream boyfriend was a god, and not just any god, the Black Raven himself, the god of death. He would rather think about literally anything else. Do you think we're prisoners? Dio asked Nimoy at one point. She gave him a scornful look for thinking anything else. Is my mother still approaching? she asked, every hour or so. Soon, he said, and closer now. Finally, he put a hand to the floor and saw clover sprouting between the slate tiles. That was confirmation if he needed it. The warmth of his night-bloom tattoo and the overwhelming feeling of rightness had been his first clue. She's here. Oh, said Nimue, overwhelmed with relief. Finally... They waited. Calix did not come for them. Pain blossomed in Icarus's chest. The ground was unsteady beneath him, with the familiar back and forth that told him he was in another bloody boat. What he wouldn't give to be on dry land. He opened cracked, salt-encrusted lips and felt cool, fresh water pour over his face, his chin. 
Steady, sailor, said an amused voice. Mind how you go. Icaros's eyes snapped open. That was a mistake, because the salt and sticky residue from his sore eyes had gummed his lashes together. That soft voice went above him, and the fresh water rolled blissfully over the top half of his face next, soaking his hair and eyebrows. Gentle hands wiped his eyes and his mouth. He opened his eyes properly and found that his head rested in the lap of his wife. What happened? he croaked, his throat too dry to make much of the words. He could taste blood on the inside of his mouth. Valeria scooped another cup of water from a bucket nearby and held it close enough for him to sip. What do you think? We rescued you. Did you think we wouldn't? Icarus looked around, wincing as he moved his neck. He'd done some damage there, bruising down his back by the feel of it. His fingers were too stiff. His chest burned from the inside out as if someone had beaten the salt water out of his body. How long had he been unconscious? This was not the silken hair. No, it was death's vessel. The ship of feathers and shadows, though the high mast had disappeared somewhere. It was shaped more like a barge, wide and flat. Still black, still edged with live ravens, with their beady lies. It was late. Early, the early hours of the morning, though still dark. Lying on his back, head cradled against Valeria's thighs, Icarus saw up up beyond the boat. Raven's gate hung above them, the mighty arch of spirals and carvings and more ravens. Calderan? Not dead either, reported Valeria. Icarus nodded. Good for the best, probably. He woke up before you, she added, stormed off to state his case to Mavadian and the others up in the temple. Oh, less good. Do we have to move? Icarus asked. Valeria's fingers swept through his hair, and she scooped another cup of that clear, fresh water against his lips. Not yet, my love. The owl brought word of the dying god. After Valeria had dragged Icarus's body out of the river, forcing the salt water out of his lungs with her bare hands, after Mardi and Calix worked together to drag Calderon to the rocky shore, and Mardi knocked the other priest unconscious when he tried to fight them. After all that, Calix stood at the prow of a ship. The green shoots and flowers she'd sparked during her capture had changed the magic of the black shadow ship. It liked her now. Reshaped itself to make her more comfortable. She preferred a barge to a yacht. They were already heading southwest down the Coronas branch of the River Divine when the owl came. She was small and tawny, with a flecked coat and deep black eyes. She swooped around the shadow ship, wings spread wide, and then glided down to the perch near Calix. A bronzed nameplate hung from her collar. Zenobia. She carried a twist of paper with the message. Calix recognised her daughter's hand instantly. Leaving Owl's Gate, moving on to Ravens, Captain agreed, given the emergency, 
Tell Valeria we're taking a dying man to the temple. His name is Aidan. Valeria, reading over Calix's shoulder, started swearing wildly. Marty, resting on the deck between their two unconscious colleagues, looked up with mild interest. What's going on? The Black Raven, said Valeria angrily. He's manifested human again, and this time he's dying. Mardi let out a deep and heavy sigh. You can be the one to tell Icarus. Of all the buildings that Calix had seen along the river journey of the last several days, Raven's Gate was the most intimidating, especially at night. Its high and shadowy arches resembled a fortress rather than a place of healing. They had sailed under the place of healing, carrying their wounded men past Al's Gate and on through the long night. You're sure about this, Calix said to Mardi. Valeria was to stay behind, keeping an eye on Icarus and the bow, neither of whom had woken after their near drowning. This is the only way you'll get your answers, said Mardi Morenci. She had stolen the feather brace jacket off the body of Reynard Calderan, hanging it up to dry over the last few hours. It was still damp and crusted with salt, but Mardi wore it anyway, buttoning it all the way from her neck down to her pregnant belly, where she let it hang loose. Calix knew armour when she saw it. Her own clothes were wrecked, but she took a moment to use her magic to clean the ragged silks and press the linen stemmer so it fell in the traditional pristine column from throat to ankle. Back at the Imperium, ladies often used magic to transform their outfits into grand, majestic statements of power, fashion, beauty. Before she stepped off the boat, Calix passed a hand over her scalp, reducing the stubble to a smooth, clear surface. She was ready. Mardi led the way up into the central arch of the temple. So many stairs and spirals. Finally, the two of them strode across a long gallery, lit with lanterns. Priests and handmaidens gathered here, watching the newcomers with a curious eye. Dio was nearby. Calix could feel him. With all four of her bonded servants close, her power flared up brighter than ever. She could do this. A matron in a spiked black headdress swung out of a nearby room, facing down Mardi with all the scorn and disdain of a governess telling off a wayward pupil. Needle, she said, what have you done? Mardi lifted her chin. I'm here to resign my service, Mavadian. The other woman glowered at her. You think you're worthy of an honourable retirement? You, who failed to dispatch your most recent mark, she's standing here in our master's halls, like an insult to all that we are. It's a little more complicated than that, said Mardi. Calix stepped forward, catching the matron's eye. Mervadian, she said, her voice ringing out with what her sister always called palace tones, the voice you used when you wanted everyone at court to hear what you had to say. I hear you are the senior representative of your god in this temple. I am, said Mervadian, her own voice raised and formal. 
Your presence here is unwanted, Petal of the Imperium. Oh, said Calix with a small smile. So you do know who I am. Tell me, please, how is it that four of your master's servants were all sent forth to murder me at the same time? Whispers started up among the onlookers. Mervadian's own expression of triumph faltered. You do not know our ways, she declared. Mardi scoffed. This is not our way, Mervadian. This is no one's way. Where is our god? Perhaps Aidan can explain. Mervadian looked scandalised. His name is not for your mouth, traitor. Traitor, demanded Mardi louder than before. More people were coming to watch their performance. Handmaidens appeared in doorways, staring with open curiosity. Several priests in those black feather braces joined the crowd. I was sent honestly and honourably to end this woman's life, as worthy sacrifice to the Black Raven. I took the mark. And then I learned that Icaros the Hand, Valeria the Knife, and Reynard the Bow also took that mark. A louder rustle of whispers occurred at the naming of Icaros and Valeria. "'You are mistaken,' said Mervadian, standing taut and still. "'Such a thing could not happen. "'Your mind has been warped by these foreigners' magic tricks.' Mardi leaned in, furious. "'I'm not the one who's been warped. "'This happened on your watch. "'Explain it.' or I take my concerns to a higher authority. Higher than me, Mervadian scoffed. Mardi raised both hands and clapped them above her head. Black feathers spiralled out of thin air, resting in her dark curly hair. Your pride is showing, she said. I think you've forgotten what it means to serve the Black Raven. There was a shout from behind them, and a scuffle. The gathering crowd of priests parted to let Reynard Calderon through. He was ragged and miserable in soft shirt sleeves. There was a cut over his eye, and he hobbled as he walked. He had armed himself anew. He held a crossbow loosely at his side, with a knife in the other hand. Mardi Morency has broken the covenant, Calderon screamed. She has accepted an oath of loyalty to a master other than ours. Calix turned, though she was uncomfortable having a creature like Mavadian at her back. She accepted nothing, she said scornfully. I bonded her against her will out of self-defence. Would you like me to do the same to you? Another disturbance broke out at the far end of the hall. An elderly handmaiden, all in black, with a thick apron covering her gown, pushed her way through. Mervadian! The visitor has gone! Gone? said Mervadian furiously. What visitor? The one we cannot name aloud, said the newcomer, looking desperate. How did he get out? He's dying. 
More mutters and whispers broke out among the gathered priests, handmaidens, and the rest of them. Will someone, roared Reynard Calderan, staggering forward on the verge of collapse, tell me what the blood and endless is going on. Thank you for listening to Sheep Might Fly. Uh, we'll have the next half of Chapter 22 next week. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates, Follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky or Threads at Tansy RR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week. Mm-hmm.